Hello, welcome to Concerned Women Today, Elections 2020. We have it all for you. The good, the bad, the ugly, coming up next. From the nation's capital, this is Concerned Women Today with Penny Young Nance, President and CEO of Concerned Women for America, the largest public policy organization for women in the nation. Here's your host, Penny Nance. Hello, everyone. I'm Penny Nance, CEO and President of Concerned Women for America. Oh my goodness, what a roller coaster 2020 has been. A worldwide pandemic, race riots, um, so much happening, and now we have the 2020 elections. So we're going to get into that today. I have two great guests with me. I have Alice Stewart, who's a conservative political commentator, a CNN political contributor, and a fellow at the Harvard Institute of Politics. And also, she's the host of the podcast Hot Mics from Left to Right. Also joining us is Concerned Women for America's Vice President for Government Relations, Doreen Denny, who's worked in government for many years, including the Department of Education under George Bush, and is also a graduate of Harvard, the Kennedy School. So I'm the Liberty University grad, along with the School of Hard Knocks here among my, <laughs> my prestigious um, fellow women. Ladies, we have so much to talk about today. I just want to open up with just... You know, how how are you feeling? Let's talk a little bit about how we saw things play out. We started out with the premise from the left that there was a overwhelming blue wave that was supposed to, you know, crash across the electorate and usher in many more seats in the House and also a Democratic control of the Senate. Um, and of course, it was going to also wash down to state races. And, and that's not what happened. So let's start with that. What did we actually see happen? And also, if you don't mind, Alice, I'd love for you to mention, talk about the polls. Why were the polls so wrong? Well, Thanks for having me, Penny. And look, I think big picture, you sit back and look at what's happened over the last several months, and there was a big blue wave. There was also a big red wave. There was a big turnout of voters. We had a record number of voters in this country. And as an American, you look back and say how awesome our democracy is and how awesome it is that people on both sides felt so passionate about our government and our country that they came out and like it or not I think the involvement of people across the country makes it just so great with regard to the polls and the pollsters they got it right in terms of the popular vote but the problem is presidential elections are run by electoral college and I hate to break it to them that did not learn that in 2016 that's the way the rules are and President Trump and the Trump campaign knows that and Trump voters, quite frankly, are shy about voicing mm -hmm. their opinion because right. of being ostracized by or their retaliation. Even certainly, there's real fear by their friends, their neighbors, their colleagues, their institutions of government and education. They don't talk about it. They don't put up bumper signs. They don't put up signs in their yard. They are quiet about it. And the fact that they might not have answered a pollster a question that does not mean they didn't come out. And that's exactly what we saw. So I think from now on. People are going to take these polls with a grain of salt because, you know, the silence of the Trump voter lasts until they go into the voting booth and they make their opinions pretty loud and clear. 
Well, that's true. And so, again, you've got the blue wave that did not happen. And as we sit here, and, you know, there, there's a little time between when we record this and when this actual air. But where we're sitting now, I, there's a lot of still questions. And I want to talk about Georgia. But first, I wanted to go to Doreen. And I want you to talk about the surprise that is the wave of pro-life women. Yeah, and Penny, that really was a surprise. We saw a wave of conservative women as a result in these districts in the House of Representatives for the first time. We had expected, based on polls and pollsters, that the House would pick up uh, seats for the Democrats and Nancy Pelosi would be emboldened and strengthened in her leadership, and quite the opposite happened. In fact, as we're sitting here now, we've already had at least five seats net gain in the House on the Republican side, and we've had women, conservative women, toppling liberal women in many districts. There were a lot of open seats. There were a lot of retirements on the Republican side, and there was a real effort that was made to attract and recruit women candidates. And what happened was when it got down to, you know, Know, the conservative woman or the liberal woman, the conservative women women prevailed in many, many of these seats. Wait, I and thought conservatives <laughs> were sexist <laughs> and, and hated women. Well, and you know, right? Penny, what I have to say is that the 8,000 miles we put on the Women for Amy bus tour made a difference yeah. because, and having Amy Coney Barrett enter a national stage at the time that they did, you know, the message there was one that Lindsey Graham brought out. He said, this is a not a breaking a glass ceiling for conservative women. We're going through a reinforcement force concrete barrier and the ability to have a voice to stand up and to say no I believe in faith family freedom and the Constitution I mean those were things that women were internalizing during that time and I really do believe that in some of those suburban districts they thought that Congresswoman Ann Wagner would lose her St. Louis suburb no she didn't she came back strong and we had other women join the ranks and so right now where we sit we've doubled the number of women who are conservatives in the House of Representatives for the new term. And there's still more to be counted. And I think that's a great point. And I think Congresswoman Elise Stefanik led the charge really with recruiting phenomenal conservative women to run for office and supporting them and giving them the opportunity to really shine. And I think that movement was very successful. And your bus tour for Women for Amy was such a great opportunity to really shine the light on the hypocrisy of Democrats, right? They're the party of empowering women and women in high office and women in leadership, except conservative women. Right. And Penny, you were phenomenal with pointing that out. Very often, they want to claim the mantle of, hey, we're all about women, but they tore Amy Coney Barrett down. Mm -hmm. And you and Concerned Women for America really made a point mm -hmm. to say, if you're about women and supporting women, this is a not just a good jurist. She is a high-qualified woman of character that you should be proud to support. All right. On the Supreme this, Court, this and they the wouldn't do it. This is the model you said you wanted, where a woman can do anything where, that she wants. She can be a mom. She right. can be a woman of faith. She can be all these things, and yet be a justice on the Supreme Court. Why are you not lining out up in support of her? But, you know, that's not new, and we've talked right. about that for years. That brings back a memory. I was on a uh, radio show in New York City with my friend Kelly Goff, who has left a center, but we have this sort of odd fellow friendship, but she's a woman of integrity, and so she had a, a whole panel. It was the only 
conservative on the panel, which um, you know happens a lot. And so there were all these women were talking, and it was I think it was like someone from the platform Jezebel and all these different women talking about supporting women. And I said, excuse me, how many? of you supported Sarah Palin. Right. And of course they're all like, and I'm like, that, so let's be real. You don't really mean support women. You support a certain kind of woman. And, but, but I think so too. And so I would say the good news about what Elise Stefanik did is she was able to help recruit women that we could all support. Right. Because right. I've heard for years and you probably have too, Doreen, like we got to, we got to get more women elected. I'm like, well, yeah, I want to get women elected, but I want to make sure that they're principled women who are pro-life and conservative and actually believe the things I do, because I'm not going to support the other kind just because they happen to be a woman. And that's honest, right? And, and the other side doesn't seem to manage to be able to have the integrity to meant to say, you know, your positions matter. Why is that different for women versus men? We We shouldn't have this this blind loyalty just because of our gender. Oh, exactly. And the fact is they have been able to get away with this for so long because there are not conservative people that have been in the arena to call them out on it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to make sure that if they are going to, as I said, claim the mantle for women, for African-American, for LGBT rights, they have to make sure that the, the same standard applies for those that are of these different uh, groups mm-hmm. that have conservative views mm-hmm. and those that have liberal views, yes. because there are a lot of folks I know that there are uh, conservatives in all those buckets you just absolutely, mentioned. Absolutely, absolutely, and they do draw the line when it comes to support based on their ideology, and that right there, and you see it a lot. You see it a lot in in higher education. But if they're going to be the party of diversity of gender, Inclusion. race, color, religion, sex, and national origin, they need to also be the party to support diversity of ideology. Yes. Well, that's not the case. (laughs) But you know, but I I do think, and I I don't want to move off this point before I say that um, this is sort of the secret sauce, I think. And I'm very disappointed, by the way, that John James didn't win in Michigan, because I think he is a great candidate. And maybe when it's, uh, I think there's going to be lawsuits around his race, and we'll see what happens, because that was also very close. But you know, I think the secret sauce is you've got to make sure that your candidate is appealing and and is principled and all of that. And the and I think the stat is that of the eight seats that were flipped, six of those were pro-life women. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? That's right. And and you know that again shows you that these were women that were running against women, in fact, in those cases. And so we're really excited that we have not only uh, brought women into the house, but that women that have that stand for issues and and are going to stand up together, I think is a collective body that they're going to have a voice that that needs to be heard. And I do think that we're we just need to take this opportunity to seize the day, recognizing the things that have come just before that with Amy Coney Barrett going to the Supreme Court and with the rise in awareness that a lot of views do get censored today. The cancel culture is alive and well, and people are fighting against that. And I think that what happened in these house races is a demonstration of that. Yes. And people are sick of it. You know, on the bus tour, and thank you, you're sweet to bring that up, Alice. We we met so many women. I mean, that that's a month of my life of, you know, being on the bus. And it, it was it was great. It's hard, but it was great. And right. we got to meet women all over this country. And I would have women older than me, you know, decades older than me, come up with tears brimming over their eyes saying, I've been waiting for this my whole life. She's me. 
Amy Coney Barrett is me. She right. is a woman who is a woman of faith who chose to have a family, who loves her family, who's willing to sacrifice for her family. She had a healthy marriage and was able to, to she was such, um, uh, so fantastic and competent that now she's, she's being nominated to the Supreme Court. We have to support her. She's us. And so I think it's to your point, Doreen, we saw ourselves in her. Women saw themselves in Amy Coney Barrett. And those are the women that we're now turning out to run for office. Right. And at the same time, they were concerned about the security and safety of their communities when there was movements to defund the police. They were concerned about choice and education and having yes. those other issues that are so important and kind of bread and butter issues for families. And they were recognizing who was standing on the right side of those issues. Wait, hold that thought. We're going to come back to that. We've got to take a break. We'll be back in just a moment with Concerned Women today. Hey ladies, you're smart, passionate, and savvy. You care about your family and you care about our nation. That's why you should join Concerned Women for America. I'm Penny Nance, President and CEO of Concerned Women for America, and I pray you will visit ConcernedWomen.org to learn how you can add your voice to the largest public policy women's organization in the nation. That's ConcernedWomen.org. Welcome back. I'm Penny Nance with Concerned Women for America, and uh, we're enjoying this time of just talking about what we've seen in the election, but specifically where we're seeing this rise of the Amy Coney Barrett Republican woman. Um, and I just made that up, by the that's way. That's a good ring to it. Um, <laughs> yes, the ACB Republican. That is the woman that is coming forward who loves her family, who's a woman of faith that sacrifices and works very hard and is very accomplished and has and deserves it right and is putting her name forward um and so joining me is alice stewart who has her own podcast that you all may want to follow it's called hot mics from left to right and also doreen denny who's the vice president of government relations at concerned women for america so you just brought up before we went to break doreen about the fact that there were some really key issues and i said this on election night that the other side um although we they know it now by the way because we have leaked footage of their internal phone call with the democrats they're wringing their hands and recognizing that they got their backsides kicked and in, in the house and but the, the issue that, you know, of course, there's the social issues that we feel very strongly about and brings us together. But there's also, for a more moderate, independent thinker, a woman who's not necessarily of our ilk, but actually cares about her family, loves her family, wants her kids to have a good education. Um, I think there's this wedge issue that if people are smart, if Republicans are smart, will seize on, and that is safety and security of your family, and also an, uh, your ed the education of your children. Equality in education uh, at this point means your kids being able to go to school if you need to go to school, or actually having the money follow your child if there's not that possibility to a local Catholic or Christian school or a Jewish day school. So I, I just wonder what you're thinking on all of that. Yeah, well, I do think that um, that these issues were front and center uh, in communities across our country, and um, and as you mentioned, uh, the own their outtakes in the Democratic Party among 
the more moderate members were those kinds of issues, the socialism, you know, things that were overreach in terms of government control and so forth. People have had enough with that. And what they're didn't concerned they say, about I don't that. ever want to hear the word socialism <laughs> again. Yes. Like that was sort of yeah. the leaked uh, footage of their phone call is how the hand ringing because they realize like most Americans don't think that's okay. That's right. And so the extremism that, you know, um, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is kind of popularized within the Democratic Party in this progressive push um, has been rejected. And I think that the, the extremity yeah, there swelled, though. Well, of, of yes, the they did. They, they did have couple. They did have a couple mm-hmm. wins on her side. But I think what you're finding is within the 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 general population um, that those are not those issues are not going to resonate. And if there's anything that I think that we come out of this race, even with the unknowns, even right at this moment about the presidential race, we come away with a, a realization that 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 extremism or radicalism does not sell in America. And that as long as the other side is going to be pushing those things really hard, people are going to resist that. And especially now when we find ourselves in a pandemic, which has changed so much of our daily lives, you know, parents that are facing the educational needs for their children right at home now, seeing what they're learning or not learning, recognizing that there are issues that they have got to be involved in and care about in order for their own future and success, the economy and how the economy is going to do and continue to thrive if we have, you know, threats of new kinds of shutdowns. Those are all issues that people are caring about deeply and and really do affect us all. And so I think that those, along with the issues that people are recognizing, look, we need to have some uh, common sense in around the areas of issues that even even in the issues of activism around um, biology, whether or not women sh- and their female status should be preserved. And so we have women's sports only for females because that's the way it ought to be. Uh, those are things that people are paying attention to now. Don't you think, uh, Alice, that if, if you were a Republican running for governor in Virginia, because we have the offs your elections for governor right don't don't you think school choice would or do you think i I think (laughs) school choice would be a great issue to run on and i've said that to people um regardless of what happens or if things are back on track by next november only god knows but i think there's some real ground to be covered and and if if so what others what other issues do you see right well let me just say first off if you did run for governor i would fully support you but school choice would be a phenomenal issue because not just because we're amidst covid and parents want to get their kids out of the house but they want to get them in good schools and you brought up the, the issue earlier about money following the child i, I think that is a great viable option. And if we're, if we're not going to have the money distributed equally and open up the schools uh, all the same, then give the money to the parents and let them decide what to do with their education. I think that's a really great solution. But we look at the exit polls from, from these elections, and again, the top issue, it was not what the Democrats, it wasn't about feelings or empathy or um overreach on COVID, the number one issue for voters is still the economy. Mm -hmm. It's still pocketbook issues. And if you can address those, how you're going to put gas in the tank and food on the table and have a job and potentially get get an, an increase in your pay, that's what people care about. And people look at President Trump and they realize 
are you, am I better off now than I was four years ago? 56% of them said yes. That's why he had such support. Mm -hmm. Even though those on the left wanted to make it about uh, everything else, uh, but the kitchen sink, that's the big issue. Safety and security and the economy were, were really driving factors f for these voters. And, you know, they can sit there and, and cry about, let's not talk about socialism anymore. Or you sh Nancy Pelosi, you shouldn't have made me talk about defund the police. Well, they did. Mm -hmm. And that really came to bite them in a lot of these, these house races. But I, I think at the end of the day, education in the economy and safety and security are winning issues for anyone running in the future. But Donald Trump proved uh, it was a successful issue for him, a successful issues for him because he hasn't just talked about it. He's actually delivered on it. Mm -hmm. um, let's go to the Senate. We need to spend a little bit of time talking about your home state of Georgia, where you were born, although I don't know if you consider Georgia or Arkansas your home <laughs> state. You may be like me. I consider Tennessee and Kentucky and now Virginia my home state. So uh, I have three. Yeah, I think both of them would probably, you know, want to push me off on the other one. But I, I, I was born and raised in uh, DeKalb County, right by Fulton County, which are the, the key issues right in the crosshairs. Yeah. And then I lived 17 years in Arkansas. But, but look, Georgia has been a, a red state for so long. Trump won it by six points back in 2016. But what we've had, it's similar to other states. In the bigger cities, you have a higher population of, of Democrats and, and liberal voices. And that's exactly the way Georgia has played out. And what has happened, and, I, and I'm good friends with Secretary of State's office uh, folks there, and they told me right after the uh, polls closed that it's – looking like Joe Biden might win for a couple reasons. Because the big voting blocks are in these liberal cities, some of uh, a lot of well-educated, college-educated white um, voters moved to the, uh, outside of Atlanta, and a lot of them were frustrated with Trump's demeanor and the way he uh, has dealt with COVID. And that has been a factor in the state of Georgia. And that that was why it has gone, gone so close down to the wire. But they said early on they're obviously concerned about the presidential race, but even more so those Senate seats. Mm -hmm. Now we have two seats that were comfortably in the hands of Republicans. The two senators are now in runoffs in, uh, in, in the state of Georgia, which could potentially switch to Democrats. And that's a big concern. Mm -hmm. and, and you can sit there and, and look at, well, David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler are strong, but can you imagine the amount of Democrat money that's going to go into oh, Georgia between now and January? No, it's it, going to be off the charts. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we, they may reach a billion dollars. I mean, you right. know, you, and you're going to have the outside money, which I don't even know this is constitutional, but I really wish that outside money outside of state could not fund um, specific candidates I, I just think it, that's not how the founders thought it yeah good luck with that yeah, yeah. Good luck. <laughs> i think i need like a constitutional <laughs> amendment or something to make that happen but I, but all that to say i mean the hundreds of millions of dollars from that mike bloomberg and others are going to pour into that race george soros and whoever else and of course on our side also so it's going to be tons of money i people are not going to want to turn on their television because they're going to be so saturated with ads uh, early voting i think you told me doreen starts in georgia december 11th right I mean, this is this is important. So, so whether or not the Senate can be a true bulwark against the craziest Joe Biden policies is really all centered in Georgia. I mean, it's going right. to be really important that that the Republicans can pull this off. 
Yeah, and I think I think just to step back a bit, you know, again, coming into this election, I think the Democrats thought that Chuck Schumer would be majority leader the day after, you know, on November 4th. And and certainly that didn't happen. In fact, we had so many strong candidates that were reelected. We we picked up some seats of retirements. And and so we're down at a position. You mentioned like Joni Ernst and, jo- and yeah, what happened. Senator the, Joni the, Ernst. Well, and, and the, how badly the polls were off on Susan Collins' race also. Right. Right. So um, so I think the point here is just to recognize that coming in now to an uncertain situation, I think we will have kind of a divided uh, going in. You know, these two races may not take it out of the hands of the Republicans entirely, but we could have an interesting situation with a pretty balanced Senate uh, on a party level, and that will change governing again. And you know what? There is something about checks and balances that have come out of this election that I think is important for us all to recognize. And I guess something that should give us hope for the future, recognizing that you know we're just not going to go off the rails here in the next four years. Well, this has been great. We've uh, launched my candidacy for governor of Virginia. <laughs> we've recognized that we've got to recruit more women. Hat tip to Elise Stefanik for recruiting conservative pro-life women. Um, but this is what I will tell you. This is what I told um, our staff, that regardless of what happens, Concerned Women for America is going to be here, and we're going to fight for our values and fight for life. The question is whether we're on offense or defense. And uh, we will be working hard. And so we would love for you all to take a moment today and go to our website, ConcernedWomen.org. Sign up for our alerts. Sign up for our weekly updates so you know what's happening in your nation. We can give you a great overview so you can be engaged in what's happening. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Alice Stewart. Thank you, Doreen Denny. And see you next time on Concerned Women Today. Thanks for listening. Concerned Women Today is a ministry of Concerned Women for America, the nation's largest public policy women's organization. For more information, visit ConcernedWomen.org. That's ConcernedWomen.org.